two, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter three tonight. We finish, we're going through the book of Philippians on Sunday evenings as much as the Lord allow, and so we're going to continue that direction uh, tonight. Uh, while you're turning there in Philippians ship number two, we just, uh, I think it was last week, if I remember correctly, last Sunday night, we looked at Timothy and talked about how he was Paul's representative. And uh, you talk about a good uh, assistant, Timothy was the one, and of course Paul names three things that makes, or four things that makes a good assistant, or a good, uh, as Timothy was to Paul, and so we looked at that last week. <clears throat> Normally, I would just follow in the next session, but the church, I, mean, I uh, <laughs> next one's Epaphroditus. And it was this year that I talked about Epaphroditus. And so if you would like to listen to that message again, it was in February. I'm sure they've got it online. But we looked at uh, Philippians chapter number 2, verses 25 through 30. So I'm going to jump over Epaphroditus tonight, and I'm going to jump into chapter number 3. And uh, <clears throat> chapter number 3 and verse number 1, I also preached this year, but I'm not jumping over that one. All right, so I want to show you some things from this particular verse tonight. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word. <clears throat> Lord, again, uh, we all ask as we do every service, Lord, that you'd speak to us. And uh, Father, we'd see what you have for us. As every service, uh, we believe that your word and the Holy Spirit does a work in our heart and life. And Lord, may we not miss that tonight. Lord, bless your people. Again, help those who are not feeling well tonight that are here as well as those who are not. Lord, again, help those tonight who have other things on their mind, uh, maybe pressures and trouble. Lord, would you again uh, take those things away? Lord, may we be careful for nothing. Father, may we not miss what you have for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, Philippians chapter 3, I've been, actually, to be honest with you, struggling this afternoon as far as the, the message for tonight. I know the Lord wanted us in Philippians, and I was just going to follow suit. And I came to verse number one, and I just cannot get away from it, and I really believe this is what the Lord has. But look at verse number one. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture tonight in, uh, as far as our really the, the thought tonight. And that's Philippians chapter 3, verse number one. He said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Just, I, mean, I know that a person can preach topically, and I, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in as far as a person preaching topically. The Lord uses not just his word, but he uses the man that speaks the word as far as a topical sermon. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with topical. I am so much bent on uh, textual, some would say expository, just simply because you can't go wrong when you just use the word of God to give us what we need, all right? And so I always try to do that as much as possible as the Lord allows. And tonight, I want to do that again tonight with you. You know, when you look at chapter number three, and again, there's several things just in that one verse. For instance, the first word is finally. It's interesting that five times Apostle Paul used the word finally, and it's interesting that it was five different things that Paul used to say, hey, listen, this is the last thing I want to tell you, and it's pretty important. I'm not going to preach that tonight. But the second thing I find it interesting is that he says, to write the same things to you, to me, is not grievous. Now, I always thought the word grievous really just simply meant, uh, you know, a bother to me. If he, when Paul says, hey, it's not grievous for me to tell you the same, he's talking to the church at Philippi. He's writing from prison. He said, listen, I've already told you these things, but it's not grievous for me. In other words, it's not an irritation. It's not a bother. It's not a problem for me to tell you these things. But that's not the only meaning behind the word grievous. That particular word in the Greek also gives the indication that Paul was saying it's not grievous, and it uses the word lazy or tardy. Now, I think what Apostle Paul was trying to say is this. I've got a, plenty of things I can tell you, so I'm not being lazy in what I'm telling you. I'm doing this on purpose to tell you because these things are important. I was doing a Bible study with uh, Kyle yesterday, and we came across uh, chapter 27, verse uh, number 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And in chapter 22, in verse number 3, the same exact verse, word for word, is said also in the book of Proverbs. We came across another verse yesterday. I think it was 20, also chapter 27, might have been verse number 13. 
But it says, uh, uh, take, his garment, uh, take a garment as surety for a stranger and take a pledge of a strange woman. And that same verse is used identically also in chapter number 20. And, you know, it, just another reminder that God did not put extra verses in Scripture because he needed filler. You know, God's got a purpose when he repeats himself as far as something that he's trying to teach us. And so Apostle Paul, he's talking to the church of Philippi. He says, listen, I'm not just telling you these things because I don't have anything to say or because I'm being lazy in my personal study. I'm telling you these things because God wants you to hear them again. And so tonight, I want you to look at the book of Philippians. And again, I know it's not going to follow verse by verse, but I want to just point out the things that Paul repeated to the church at Philippi. And when Paul said in chapter 3 and verse number 1, Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is not, uh, to me is not grievous, but for you it is safe. When you just look at the book of Philippians, you're going to find out that there were four or five things that Paul repeated himself. And he's trying to say, I'm telling you these, these things on purpose. And so in our Bible study tonight, let's look at those things quickly again. What did Paul repeat in the book of Philippians that he said, hey, listen, this is not a grievous thought. This is not a lazy thought. This is not an irritation. I'm doing this on purpose because for you it is safe. Just, I mean, when it comes to our children, do we tell them something one time and they always remember it? If you were nodding your head, yes, I'm in trouble because my kids are not like that. All right. Do we not tell them over and over and over and over again? And, we, and sometimes almost to an irritation. Hey, listen, I've already told you that before. Don't do that again. All right? If you do that again, I'm going to kill you. I mean, is that, how many is thankful we don't carry out some of the things we say? Amen. <laughs> do you understand that, that we repeat ourselves because repetition is the key to all right, and I know it's not a Bible verse, but there is a principle there that the reason God repeats himself in the scripture and same thing that repeats, we, we, hey, when you come to church, most of the time you're not getting something, oh, I never heard that before. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. I want to tell you something, if somebody comes up with a new doctrine, it's not new, all right, or it's not doctrine, because there's nothing new. God gave us all of the scriptures we're going to have. So when we look through the Bible, and again, it's exceeding broad, and every time we come to, the, to, come to services, yes, the Holy Spirit reminds us of things, and sometimes, oh man, I never saw it quite like that. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that truth does not change. So it, it was like this morning when we were talking about the morning service, the five basics to our Christianity. I call them basics. And it might have been, actually, Dr. Lee Robinson that even is the one that originated that thought not the truth, but the thought of it, is, hey, listen, what should a Christian do? They should read their Bible. They should pray. They should go to church. They should give. They should tell other, other people about Jesus Christ as far as the basics. And what do we do when you come to church? What do you hear me say? Hey, listen, did you have your devotions this morning? Did you spend time in prayer this morning? Are you giving God your tithes and offerings? Are you telling somebody else about the Lord Jesus Christ? These are things you've heard again and again and again, but can I just tell you, it's safe to hear it again and again. It needs, some things need to be ingrained in us that this is what you're supposed to do. And by the way, a child's character is really the repetition of a parent saying, hey, brush your teeth. Uh, don't burp at the table. What do you say when you leave a table? You should say thank you. You should say all of these things in repetition to be able to develop the character of a young person. And can I just tell you that God does the same thing in the scripture and Apostle Paul is doing the same thing with the church of Philippi. He says, I'm reminding you of some things that you need not to forget. All right, so let's look at these together. The first one I want to point out, and I'm going to, we're going to point out, all, as, if we can, all of the things that are mentioned throughout the book of Philippians and where they're mentioned. Look at chapter 1, verse number 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27. The Bible says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, 
with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now it's interesting how many times he talks about this one mind. Look at chapter number two. He continues on, verse number two. Fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of what? One mind. Chapter number three, verse number 16. Interesting, every chapter, Apostle Paul hits this idea of being at one or of one mind. 3, verse 16, nevertheless, we're two, we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same things. Chapter 4, verse number 2, I beseech Judas and, and beseech uh, Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, church, I mean, if Paul says in chapter 3, verse number 1, hey, I want to remind you of some things that's not grievous to me, but for you it's safe, and you just go through the book, can I just tell you one thing he repeats again and again and again, that we as Christians ought to be of one mind. Amen. We hit this a little bit this, this morning. What brings us together is the person of Jesus Christ, okay? What should bring us together in our belief is the Bible, the Word of God. All right, now, all of us are at different levels of our spirituality, but what brings us to one mind is salvation in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. It's those two things that cause us to be able to be going the same direction, doing the same things. Hey, there is no cookie cutter. It's, it's not a matter of we're all going to be the same because all of us have flesh and spirit and all of us are at different levels of our spirituality, but it should be all striving for the same thing that would be at one mind because there's one book. We should be at one mind because there's only one Christ. So Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says in chapter number four, verse number two, hey, there's, some, there's a couple of these girls, they're at odds with one another. They should, be at, they should be of one mind. He was talking about the membership, the people that were at, at the church at Philippi. And I want to just tell you, can I just remind you what the psalmist says? He says in Psalm 133 in verse number one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for what? For brethren to dwell how? In unity. In unity. Just tell me, I, there are always going to be fellow Christians that your personalities are going to clash a little bit. Okay, but your spirituality should be above your personality. Your spirituality ought to be above that. Okay, there, there, there's things that are an irritation, and yes, a prudent man foreseeth the evil, and if that irritation is going to cause your spirituality not to be what it to be, then avoid it, okay? But I want to tell you, I... I've been in church, this church, where two people didn't like each other, made sure they sat on opposite ends, made sure they went out the different doors to make sure that they never crossed that person's path so they didn't have to shake their hand. If you cannot shake another Christian's hand, there's something wrong with you. Amen. Something wrong with you. Listen, if there's a person's personality you don't like, you don't have to take them out for ice cream. <laughs> Send them home with ice cream, I don't care. But don't, you don't take them out for ice cream. But you should never be somebody that you cannot look them in the eye and shake them in the hand and say, good, good morning, good evening, good to see you, okay? We're not talking about, if you, have, now, listen, we're, we're all not the same, all right? Our educations are different. Our, our, our economic static might be a little bit different. Our spirituality level might be different. So, yeah, we're going to have differences when it comes to other Christians. But can I tell you, we ought to be of one mind. We ought to be, we ought to be striving together and, be, and, and keep the unity of one another, I want to tell you something, it's a test of your spirituality when you can't get along with another brother and sister in Christ. That's all it is, test of your spirituality. And you say, well, how do I, how do I get over that? Well, number one, you ask God for God's forgiveness for you having ought against your brother. That's the first thing that you do. The second thing that you do is if the problem between you and your brother, it bothers you so much, then you get alone with them, debate that cause with the neighbor himself, and stop telling everybody else about it. And you go and say, hey, listen, and, and by the way, be the bigger Christian. Some of you already have proven that, but be the bigger Christian. 
And as a bigger Christian, you do not go to another brother and sister in Christ and say, listen, I just want to come and get things right with you because you're an idiot. That's not being the bigger Christian. The bigger Christian takes it upon themselves, even if they are not wrong. Hey, listen, I know I'm probably an offense, and I know I say things I shouldn't, and I just want to apologize. Is there anything that I've done to offend you? He said, but no, they've offended me. They're the ones that need to say they're sorry. You're supposed to be a bigger Christian. You're supposed to be at one. We're supposed to be able to go be together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't know if you're sitting here this, this evening and somebody comes to your mind and in your back of your mind, you keep saying to yourself, I ain't getting right. That's because you're not right. Do you understand you cannot get your prayers answered if you are not right with your brother and sister in Christ? You can't. Model prayer very, very clearly. It, the only stipulation to the model prayer, that if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. That's the only stipulation. There's not a stipulation on whether or not you got alone. It's not a stipulation on how long you prayed. The only stipulation of getting your prayers answered is God says, if you can't forgive others, I'm not forgiving you. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? Even as God for Christ's sake hath what? Forgiven you. Let's take this a step farther tonight. Can I just tell you that if you have a family member that you're having problems, I'm talking about, I'm talking about personal, fraternal. I'm talking about personal family member. I'm talking about a brother and sister in Christ. If you have a brother or sister that, you, that you're irritated with all the time, can I just tell you there's something wrong with your spirituality, not the irritation that your brother or sister is giving you? One person agrees. Apostle Paul says, hey, listen, this, I, know this is not, I know it's not grievous to me, but it's, for, it's safe for you for me to tell you this. You need to be at one. You need to be of one mind. You need to be striving together. He's talking to the church at Philippi. Heritage Baptist Church, God's been very gracious to us. Because I want to tell you something, even though we've got different people here from different walks of life, God's allow us to be at one. And if there's a problem going on right now, I don't know about it. Okay, you guys, you're, good, you're, you're, either, you're, good, you're either right with God or you're a good faker. I'm not sure which one. But I want to tell you something, we ought to be able to see one another. We ought to be able to shake hands with one another. We ought to be able to love one another. And if you ever get to that place in your life where you're not there, can I just tell you something? The first thing you need to evaluate is you. God, is there something wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Do I need to get something right with another brother and sister in Christ? Paul says this, this is safe for you. It's safe for you to make sure that you stay at one with one another. Look what else he says next here. Let's look at another one here tonight. Not only does he tell them to be of one mind, Look at chapter 1, again, it's all three chapters again. Actually, three of the chapters, forgive me. Chapter, Philippians chapter 1, look at verse number 26. Philippians 1, verse 26. says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in who? In Jesus Christ, all right? Luke chapter 3, verse number 1, this is where our text is. Finally, my brethren, what are you supposed to do? Rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 4, you know it by heart. Let's say it together. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, you know what Paul says four different times? He says you ought to, your joy ought to come from Christ. Hey, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next word? Joy. You know what ought to make you happy as a Christian? What ought to make you happy as a Christian is you're a Christian. That's where our joy comes from. Well, well I would be happy if... No, you'd be happy if the fruit of the Spirit 
showed forth in your life. Hey, listen, how many times have you heard me say this? A person who is filled with the Spirit is filled with... Okay, not joy, I'm sorry. Scripture. Scripture. The comparison of the two passages of, of Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, of being filled with the Spirit, the mirror passage to that is Colossians chapter number 3, and this one says be filled with the Spirit, and this one says, uh, to, be, says that, um, to be filled with Scripture. So it's pretty obvious that a person who's filled with Scripture is filled with the Spirit. Amen. Now, do, do you understand that in the Christian life, your joy, the fruit of your joy, comes from being a Spirit-filled Christian? That's where the joy comes from. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. If you come to church and everybody thinks you're, you know, that you're upset and, you know, that there's always a problem in your life, I want to tell you what the problem is. Being filled with the Spirit, the fruit of that Spirit is joy. There ought to be joy in your life. The Christian life is not without problems, but the Christian life should not be without joy. You know what Paul kept telling him? He says, rejoice in your job. Is that right? Rejoice in your children. Is that what it says? Rejoice in your marriage. Is that what it says? We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. I want to tell you something. Of course, from up here, it's nice to see your faces when you sing. But I want to tell you something. Some of you really got into that last song. What's the title of that song? I'm trying to think of it. It is well, my soul. I can't help but sing that song and think about H.B. Spafford losing his children in that accident. Was it four girls? Four girls uh, died. His wife uh, made it. He, he stays in Chicago, sends them on a, a ship across. It runs into another ship. The, the ship goes down. All four of his daughters are killed. He immediately gets on the next ship to head over to, uh, to Europe. And when they get across that, the captain says, hey, listen, I just want you to know this is where the, this approximately where the ship went down. And that's where he wrote this, this song or the words to the song. It is well with my soul. You know, Mr. Spafford did not allow his joy to be in his children and whether or not they lived or died. His joy was that he was saved. His joy that, was, that God was in control and that Christ was part of his life. Before his four daughters died in that accident, he had a son that died a couple years before that. His only son died. What caused him to send his wife and family over is because of the Chicago fire and financial disaster destroyed him. He was a very rich man and he had lost a lot of money because of that fire. But you know what? He was able to write that song because rejoice in the Lord. His, re, his joy was not about circumstance or happenings or people. His joy was in the Lord. Amen. You know, Apostle Paul tells the church at Philippi, and he tells them again and again and again. Hey, listen, I want to tell you where your joy should be. The reason Christians live discouraged and, and disgruntled lives many, many times is because their joy is placed in the wrong place. I'm happy if... No, you're happy because you're a Christian. Listen, church family, at work, you should be at salt and light. If you're going to be salt and light, don't go to work in the morning and say, don't talk to me until I've had four cups of coffee. You do not need coffee to make you a happy Christian. You need cocaine. (laughs) 
You, you don't need uh, something when you have someone. Christ is what gives us our joy. I want to tell you something. We, the reason we forget that is because we don't get up in the morning and the first thing that ought to come out of our lips is praise to God. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me another day to live. Thank you for the family that you've given me. All the things that we take for granted, we should remember that our joy is in Christ. And by the way, Paul was writing this from prison. So we see, first of all, Paul, when you look through the book, what's, what did Paul tell them? Hey, listen, I'm going to repeat myself, but hey, listen, bear with me because this is important for you. Make sure you stay of one mind. He says, second of all, rejoice in the Lord. Look what he says again next. Look at chapter, chapter 3 with me uh, tonight. We'll give him just a couple more. Let me Walk with me now. Chapter 3, verse number 2. In verse number 2, he says, beware of dogs. Now, he's not talking about physical dogs. He's talking about, he's talking about false teachers, evil, evil workers. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the, of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Look at verse number 18, same chapter, chapter 3, verse 18. He says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is, is destruction, whose God is their belly and who, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Church, I mean, there was Paul, seemingly it was almost like Paul repeated himself to the church of Galatia, the churches of Galatia, uh, Philippi, and several of the other churches. And when you look through the New Testament of Paul's epistles, he was constantly warning them of these Jewish, somewhat, some of them were believers, I guess, but these Jews that were saying, yes, it's faith in Jesus Christ, but you still have to obey the Mosaic law. And he's constantly telling them, hey, listen, it's not the law, it's simply Christ. And he repeats himself over and over. So can again, I make, can we stress what Paul was, was stressing is beware of evil workers. And evil workers, anybody that's telling you to, to, that something is right or to do something that is contrary to the scriptures. That's an evil worker. That, that, that's somebody that says, hey, uh, this is okay when God says it's not okay. All right? There's only one way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way. But there were people that were trying to say it's Jesus plus something. Now, I know on the Sunday night crowd, that's not an issue. We believe and we know that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know that. That's settled. I didn't come to church tonight so I could hope that I could get to heaven or get to a better place in heaven. There's only one heaven and there's only one way. But can I tell you that evil workers are not just people who tell you there's more than one way to heaven. Evil workers are, are people who tell you to, that there are things that you can do that are contrary to Scripture. There's only one book, and the book that we hold in our hand is true. And we have to be careful that we do not take what sounds good and in, in, in trade for what is good. This, this idea of Christianity doing the situational ethics is wrong. In other words, it's right or wrong based upon the situation. That's situational ethics. All right? In other words, there's, there's, there's a right time to do wrong is what they're trying to say. Well, my family's in need, so it's okay to rob a bank. Is that true? No. No. No, we've got to go back to what does the Bible say? That's what I do. I don't make my decision based upon my situation. I make my decision based upon right or wrong. So he says, and he reminds them again and again, even in the book of Philippians, is beware of evil workers. It's interesting in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to, I won't have you turn to it, but verse 13 through 15, we often refer to this passage because of Satan being an angel of light. 
But the verse that goes with it is this, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Do you understand that the reason these non-denominational huge mega centers of buildings where people are coming in for quote-unquote worship the reason that is going on is because of somebody who looks so close to the truth, but it's so close to wrong. In other words, uh, they've got a little bit of scripture and they've got some songs that have Jesus' name in it. And it's drawing all these people that are lost to make them feel good spiritually or to the, that they're doing something that's, that's spiritual. But it's not spiritual. It's sensual. Why do we not have drums and, a, and the bass guitar and, and maybe some other things on the platform here? Because, church, I mean, the church is not about drawing a crowd. The word church is ecclesia, as a called out assembly of believers that have come together to propagate the gospel. And we understand the two purposes of this church is for the evangelization of the lost and the edification of the saved. Why did you come to a church service on a Sunday night? The edification of the saved. I want to be built up in my faith. I want to, I want to learn more. I want to grow more in my, in my faith. Amen. Yes, on a Sunday or a Wednesday, somebody could walk an aisle and they could accept Christ as their Savior. But let's face the, they face the fact, it's believers that come on a Sunday night that know that they're saved and on their way to heaven, that come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that they should be telling the lost and dying world about Jesus Christ. And they put tracks in their pocket when they go out from the track rack. And when they go, go somewhere, they say, hey, listen, I just want to give you a gospel track that tells you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Or they talk to a neighbor when they're out doing, they're picking up their leaves and say, hey, listen, just like to invite you to church, but more important in church is do you know for sure you're saved? Yeah, I've heard that before. That's the problem with our young people growing up in Christian homes. They have heard it all. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. And they don't say it with their lips, but they're thinking it in their mind. That's why they sit through a church service and they never open up their Bible. They never take a pen out and write something down. They never come to, a, to the altar and make a decision. It's because they've heard it all. But Paul says, not grievous to me. I'll, I'll keep telling you, you need to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I'll keep telling you, you need to keep reading the Bible. I'll keep telling you, you need to come to church because for you it's safe. So Paul says throughout his letter to the church of Philippi as he's writing from prison, he says, I want to remind you to be of one mind. I want to remind you to rejoice in the Lord. I want to remind you to make sure that you beware of evil workers. Let's go a little bit farther tonight. Look at chapter 1, look at verse number 27. Look at chapter 1, verse number 27. Paul says this in verse number 27. He says, only let your conversation, conversation means behavior, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit and in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at chapter 2, verse number 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So in chapter number one, he said that your behavior would become the gospel. In other words, people could look at you and see Christ. In verse chapter two and verse number 15, he says you're, you should be a, like, like a shining light in the world in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation. Look at chapter three, verse number 20. For our conversation, our behavior is in heaven. In other words, we should act 
like, like a Christian, from whence also we look to the, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You know, I think Apostle Paul is trying to t- remind the church at Philippi, he's reminding them you ought to behave like a Christian. This world's not our home. Your citizenship's in heaven. We're here for a short time. You're salt and light. You ought to shine so that people can say, hey, there's, there's something different about that fellow. You know, I always say, therefore, if a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And sometimes we, we hear that so much. But church, I'm let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. People ought to be able to look at our life and bring honor and glory to him. And I know sometimes because of the world that we live in, and whether it's because they're lost or just because they have, they're wicked in their thinking, they might condemn you, they might criticize you, they might say, well, you know, they're, they're just trying to get attention. But the fact is, you ought to make a difference. And Paul says, listen, you ought to behave like a Christian. And can I just tell you, there's too many people trying to hold on to the world and hold on to Christ. There are no perfect Christians. I wish there were. I wish I was one of them. There are, no, there are no sinless Christians. We all have things in our life that we need to improve on. That's one reason why we're in church, that we can be edified, as, edified in Christ, is so that we continue to grow closer to him. And when we backslid, we get those things right with God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins. Lord, help me. Please forgive me. Help me not to fall down or do that again. Help me to do that which is right. Listen to me tonight. There's too many Christians that think that they can hold on to the world and hold on to Christ and that they're, and they're right with Christ. God, he was pretty clear about this. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You can't do both. It's impossible. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can't prove what's good and acceptable and the perfect will of God as long as you're conformed to what the world is. Hey, can I just remind us, it starts in the home. It starts with mom and dad. Not allowing the world to come into the home. Not allowing our children to dress like the world and act like the world. And use cliches that the world uses. Mom and dad, we've got to shut that down. Well, my kids might not like it. There's a lot of things your kids aren't going to like. That's why we're the parent. Don't talk like that. Don't say that again. Listen to me. My kids have asked me on, on, many, on several occasions, not many, but on several occasions, how come we can't say that? It's because of the innuendo. It's because of it's too close. It's not the matter they're cussing, but there's certain things that a Christian just does not say because of the connotation that goes with it. Listen, I'm not being critical of you tonight, but church family, can I just tell you something? There are just certain words that you were raised with all of your life that you just don't think about. When I came to Heritage Baptist Church, I used a phrase. I was 25 years old. I used a phrase, and I didn't think there was anything wrong. I was raised in a Christian home. I had no idea the connotation. And I said it in a church service, and I had two adults come to me and say, did you know what you said? And I said, yeah, I know what I said. I said it again. Because I, I, I was oblivious to, hey, uh, that's not a good saying. I'd tell you the saying, but I could see you guys would raise your eyebrows. All right? It's... <laughs> After the service, I'll tell you. Don't worry. I'm not going to tell you right now, though. It was just one of those things that Christians should not say, all right? Unless you're in private and you want to know. You don't talk about those kind of things. But can I just tell you, as a Christian, it's like, it's like a young person saying, well, what's wrong with the word heck? Do you know how many times a Christian says, 
What the heck? Okay, don't take a brain surgeon to figure out that's just another word for another word. Okay, there's a lot of things that we as Christians say and that we do that we don't think about. Hey, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to act like the world, talk like the world, look like the world. I'm supposed to be different. Hey, can I just tell you, my language, my dress, none of that gets me to heaven. Zero. I'm saved. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. But because he's given us a book that tells us how we're supposed to live and to be holy and be like Christ, there are things that we should be doing. Remember I said this morning the five things, I said it again tonight, the five things that should be obvious for a Christian that are, go to church, read your Bible, pray, give, tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But there are a whole lot of other things that seem like least commandments, according to the Sermon on the Mount, that seem like least commandments, but even though it's a least commandment, I should still do the least as well as the great. important uh, Samuel goes to Hal Anderson and at Hal Anderson in recent days I've heard of two different staff members at Hal Anderson Brother John it irritates the fire to me You're, the church is so big that they're skipping church and nobody knows they're skipping church I'm telling you so you go back and tell the pastor <laughs> And as a staff member, you want to skip church around here, we're small enough, and you're not here, I'll just fire you. Go somewhere else. If you don't have a conviction about being in church, I don't care how big, how small the church is, you go to church. And if you're a staff member, you better be in church. Can I say this? That's, that's, that's stupid. There's, there's something not right there. You know, there's some least commandments. Well, it's not a big deal if I, miss, if, I, if I really miss church. It's about, as a Christian, I want to do everything that God wants for my life. Because I want to please him. Amen. I want to please him. So, Apostle Paul says, hey, listen, you should be behaving like a Christian. Church at Philippi, your conversation, your behavior ought to be like heaven. Your behavior ought to be that, that which becomes Christ. That's what it should be. He says, hey, listen, I know I've repeated it, and I know I've said it a million times. He says, but I'm going to say it again. And the reason I'm going to say it again, because for you it's safe. It's safe. Just I'm going to say this, and I'm going to, I'm going to go on to the last thing if the Lord lets us. But can I just tell you something, church family? Heritage Baptist Church, I, I want to say this correctly, okay? Heritage Baptist Church draws a certain, I'm, I'm not talking about, follow me now, the gospel draws everybody. Are you all with me so far? For God so loved the? The gospel draws everybody. It's for everybody. That's why sometimes a person will come and it, it might be a transient that shows up from church. We've had people come that have gotten out of prison that comes to church. And by the way, church is for everybody. Okay, but the members of Heritage Baptist Church, you came here for a reason. And I know we could all say different things. The reason I came to Heritage Baptist Church is because God loved me there. By the way, that's a good reason. I came to Heritage Baptist Church because when I came in that door, people talked to me. I came to Heritage Baptist Church because when the preaching was going on, they actually opened the Bible. I've had people say that before. Like, what church, should, what church is not opening the Bible? That's not really a church. 
church family, can I just tell you, I'm getting older and I don't want to change because the reason you came here is because of what's being preached. And I want to tell you why people stop preaching the book. It's in, and I'm talking about pastors. It's that mentality of I'll be able to reach more people. Can I just tell you that this church was not built upon a pastor? Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16, I will build my So my preaching is not to make you feel good. The preaching from the, from the Bible is not so that you stay here. And I don't want you leaving. The preaching from the pulpit is supposed to be Bible-based to tell people how to be saved and tell Christians how to live. Amen. And sometimes it gets a little personal and I want to tell you why it gets personal. It usually gets personal because of something that we're doing in our life that should I be doing that? Should I not be doing that? Or we know that we shouldn't be doing that. And it gets to be personal as the, pre the preacher's not pinpointing you. It's the book you hold in your hand, the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. And so what happens is when a person gets under conviction, if a person is backslidden and they get under conviction, they walk out the doors and never come back again. And I just want to tell you, I cannot make a, a better parallel with Christianity to teaching in a Christian school. That when every person was doing poorly in their subject matter and you offered extra credit, the only one that did the extra credit to this day, the only one that does the extra credit is the person who's an A student. The dingling who's making a D minus and an F and you give the extra credit trying to get them to a C so that they'll pass the class, they don't do it. Can I tell you the persons who, the, not all the time, but most of the time, the person who comes to an altar of, of where God speaks to their heart, it's not the person who's super backslidden. It's the A student. It's the person who's trying to read their Bible and trying to spend time in prayer and trying to give gospel tracts out. And during the preaching, the Holy Spirit can speak to that kind of person. And that's why they come to an altar. Lord, I want to be better. I want to be right. Forgive me for this thing I didn't do. What was Apostle Paul telling the church of Philippi? Behave like a Christian. Amen. Amen. All right, last but not least. What was the last thing that Apostle Paul <clears throat> told the church of Philippi? Hey, listen, I'm going to repeat myself, but it's important for you to hear what I have to say. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, we've already looked at chapter number 1. In church family, what, what had fallen out to Apostle Paul? Paul was in prison. The reason Paul left the church at, I'm sorry, the reason Paul left the city at Philippi is because he got arrested for casting out a demon out of a, out of a slave girl, and that's where the Philippian jailer got saved, and when, when he got out of jail, he went on to the next town. It's because of the persecution he was going to. Look at chapter one, chapter 1, verse 29. For unto you, Paul's writing the church at Philippi to believers, for unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ not only to, what? Believe on him, so it's not only been given to you, to believe on him, to get saved, but also to what? Look at chapter 3 and verse number 10. That I may know him, Apostle Paul talking about Jesus Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, that word fellowship means partnership, the fellowship of his what? Being made conformable unto his death. Can I just tell you the last thing that Paul kept repeating himself, and actually it's not the last thing, but 
this will probably be the last thing, but the, the one thing that Paul kept trying to say is, listen, you need to suffer as a Christian. Nobody likes suffering. I don't want to suffer. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't, in my prayer, personal prayer time, I don't say, God, help me to suffer. <laughs> Cause me pain and anguish and agony. Help me to hurt. We don't do that. But as a Christian, you ought to be willing to. It's not only be given to you on the behalf of Christ to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. But when I walk into the store, everybody looks at me because of the way I'm dressed. I want to tell you something. It's all, if that's the only suffering you do, I think that's okay. But when my family goes out to eat, you know, we, we all have to bow our head and close our eyes and pray. And I know people are watching us while we pray, and I'm just hoping my dad won't pray very long. If that's the only suffering you have to do, you're okay. You want to talk about suffering? Go to a foreign country. Go to a Muslim country. Beaten with rods. They still do that today, by the way. We don't, we're, we don't go, we're not in prison for our belief system. Paul says, yes, God allowed you to be saved, but God also wanted you to suffer for his sake. I want to just tell you, just remember, I love you, but I want to tell you, there's some of you here, you still avoid this. I just, I just, I, I'm just not that kind of person, and what is somebody going to think about me? Listen, I want to tell you something. Telling people about Christ is not what they think about you, it's what they think about Christ. And I'm just as uncomfortable as you are. Well, my name's Scott. This is John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. Just want to give you an invite. You get a chance to go to church anywhere? More important than going to church, know for sure you're going to heaven. Do you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven? Just want to tell you something. No one's going to cut your head off for doing that. You say, I just don't know how to do it. All right, I'm going to tell you how to do it. <clears throat> you're going to go up to the door and you're going to knock. And I promise you, when they open that door, you will say something. <laughs> it's real simple. And by the way, if you get to that door and you just look at them and then you don't say anything, <clears throat> they will say something to you. Apostle Paul said, hey, listen, I know you come to church on a regular basis. Now, again, I'm telling you as a church congregation, Paul's writing the church from, from uh, the prison. But really what Paul's trying to say is, I'm not telling you anything new. And I know you've heard it. But it's safe for you to hear it again. And church, many of you come to church again and again and again. And as Paul said, feed the flock of God, you get fed the word of God. The word of God is what we eat Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of you in here, you like pizza? Raise your hand. How many of you uh, eat pizza next door after, on Sunday nights? I'm pretty regular. Open it up. Raise your hand. You like pizza? How many plan on going over tonight and having some pizza? All right. This is not a sales pitch, by the way. <laughs> How many of you, you could eat pizza three, four, five times a week? Because you like pizza, all right? All right, several of you? Did you know that that pizza, the ingredients does not change, but the nourishment you do, and you do get some nourishment from pizza, but the nourishment you get from pizza it still helps you physically. It 
takes care of that hunger that you have. It, it tastes good. Uh, I don't know what the ingredients might be, but it, it helps you in some area. In a lot of area. <laughs> church, I mean, can I just tell you, you come to church just like you eat on a regular basis. Sometimes you eat the same thing. Some of you, a hamburger is what your, what your deal is. Some of you might be a particular vegetable. But you eat something because you like it. You eat on a regular basis and you get nourishment from it. But it doesn't change the fact the ingredients are still the same. You come to a church service on a regular basis and you hear pastor tell you about having your devotions, telling people about Jesus Christ, make sure that you give, make sure you go to church, and maybe a hundred other things that you hear again and again and again and again. And I'm just telling you there's nourishment. And the reason there's nourishment is because it's God's word. It's God's word. And our children need to be raised in a church that they don't hear something new but that they hear the same thing again and again and again. That's what they need. That's what they need. So, as Paul said, it's not grievous for me to tell you this, but for you it's safe. Now tonight, as far as the decision, as far as what the Holy Spirit does, he might have told you something completely different, but I know one thing for sure. God, help me every service to catch what you have for me because it's safe for me. Help me not to miss that. Would you by your hand close your eyes tonight? May we again pray and talk.